0: Welcome to Cisco TechBeat, the podcast that explores the people and stories behind what inspires the newest innovation. I'm your host, A.B., and I'm super excited to kick off 2022 with an incredible guest, Cisco's very own EVP, Chief Strategy Officer, and GM applications, Liz Santoni, who has a passion for apps.
1: I love the idea of having the control in terms of going everything from browsing something to buying it
0: customer experience.
1: I love the aspect of building and delighting our customers. And even charcoal grilling. I would actually ask people whether they used a gas grill or a charcoal grill.
0: (laughs) Liz, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. I'm really excited about this conversation. Amy, thanks for inviting me. This is fun to do. I agree. Lots of fun. And I was thinking, given that this is really the kickoff to a new year of TechBeat, and I'm a new host, and I suspect we're gonna have some new TechBeat followers. I think it might be just good to rewind the tape as it were and kind of go back and just hear a little bit about your life story, you know, where you grew up and who some of the influencers were uh, for you as a child.
1: So I was born and raised in, in Bombay. Most people will call it Mumbai, but for me, it's always been Bombay. Um, I, I grew up in a, in a vibrant city. I mean, it was 9 million people at that time. And everybody was in everybody else's business. But it was the the closeness that you found amongst that chaos was just incredible. It's like the sights, the it's like senses are always activated. Sight, right. sense, smell, everything. Um, so I, I moved here about 30 plus years ago. America was always aspirational for me. Growing up, you know, I loved comic books. I used to collect comic books. And I read everything from Spider-Man to Archie Comics. And it was really funny. I always wanted to be sitting right next to Archie and Jughead at Pops <laughs> and have a soda. Something I never knew what it was about. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to drive a pickup. Um, so that was my first thing coming here, going, I need to buy a pickup. Uh, I remember in 100-degree weather, I wore a Wrangler denim jeans and a Wrangler denim jacket in 100 degree weather just just because it was the, I wanted to be American. So oh, yeah. <laughs> for me, it was great moving here 30 plus years ago. And this is home for me. This is where my life is. But my, my heritage, my Indian heritage is a huge part of me as well. So my parents are from the south of India, a place called Kerala. It's beautiful. People there call it God's own country. It's Venice-like, and I have fond memories of, you know, being there and on vacation every year. My parents moved from Kerala to, to Bombay to seek a better life. And my mother, who um, probably, ne- you know, she had an English major, but English was not her first language. And here she is moving to a big city, 9 million people at that time. And she built a life along with my dad, who... Worked um, in the railways, but at night went to law school and became a really successful lawyer. My mother worked for the Department of Atomic Energy. And uh, my dad was very much the person of, you know, i wake up at four in the morning, do yoga. He'd try to get us to do yoga, and we'd be like <laughs> rolling our eyes, going, seriously, we're not doing this. <laughs> he was a su- supremely successful lawyer, but at 5 p.m. every day. Our living room was filled with like, clients like pro bono work that he would do from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. We had wow. dinners at 10 p.m. We prayed every night as a family. I grew up in a very deeply Catholic household and we had dinners at 10 p.m. And so that was my dad. He always believed in that to those that much is given, much more is expected as well. I'm, I try to mirror that, but I'm, a, I'm still a ways to go to get there. And my mother, who, you know, she uh, she worked outside of the house, Mm -hmm. when most women in India did not. And one of the things that, you know, she used to always tell me about is how to listen to voices that really mattered because there's many people who will be critical because there were many people who were critical about her working outside of the house when she had three kids at home and why wasn't she at home taking care of the kids? And she, she used to always tell me this about listening to the voices, and I'm paraphrasing this, that mattered because there'll be a lot of voices around you that bring negativity. And I never quite understood it at that time, but I do now. So those, you know, they are two of my biggest influences uh, growing up. My dad worked really hard and I used to always talk about, but why is it that you know th- this person's lucky and that person's lucky? And my dad would always say, you know, you get luckier when you work harder. And I never could understand that. That was another one of those eye roll moments, like oh, here goes another thing that I'm not sure I clearly understand what he's <laughs> talking about.
0: That's a great story. You know, I feel like I can relate. Coming to America from the Caribbean myself, I can empathize with your journey. And I feel like my parents were just like yours. And having a mom who could thrive career-wise at a time when women were not really expected to work like that must have had a big impact on you as as a young girl. I mean, what were you like as a child then?
1: Um, I would say I, I was the middle uh, child. I am the middle child. I'm always getting into things that I shouldn't be getting into, right? <laughs> talking when I shouldn't be talking. Curious about everything. Wanting to be in everything. Like my, my parents used to say, you know, this is like adult business, but I was always right there going, so what's going on? You're like, let me understand this, right? Always curious. I was also a dreamer in the sense. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be a superhero in a in a in a comic book, I still have those aspirations.
0: That's amazing. Um, I
1: love comics and I still, I still, you know, read comic books. So growing up, you know, I was, I would say is I was more about, there was no one thing that I really wanted to do. I wanted to do a lot of things. Uh, but what I did end up studying in was, you know, my bachelor's is in chemistry with a minor in physics and math. And that was more so because my older sister went to law school. I did not want to do that and follow in <laughs> that, those footsteps, but a little bit of competition going. Sure. And, and I used to go to work with my mom quite a bit. So I thought, okay, I would like to go down the path of being a scientist. Um, and so that was me growing up. Um, I do remember one of my teachers um, telling my parents that I dreamed so much in class compared to others. And she said, you know, you should find somebody a rich boy that, to get her married off to. And it's like, <laughs> we'll see where that went in yeah. terms of, so I don't know if there she was thinking it could be a trophy wife or what it was, but, uh, but my, my mom laughed and she just laughed. And she said, I think my daughter will do perfectly fine.
0: Yes. And, and clearly you have. Now, when you came to the States, you continued studying. What, where did you end up going to school? And, and what did you study uh, beyond chemistry?
1: So I went to University of San Francisco. So coming to the states I didn't have much money at all. This was like trying to figure out what is it that I wanted to do on my own versus everything that my parents had provided for me. So this was the first time where there wasn't a parents ATM to go reach <laughs> out to. I don't think my parents were really thrilled that I decided to, you know, kind of move here. Right. And so I was, it was everything on my own. USF offered me a scholarship, so I did my MBA. The business world fascinates me Mm -hmm. in terms of how to build products, how to go out and compete and win. What are the new things that you can create? I love that aspect. I love the aspect of building and delighting our customers, right? It's like a, it's the joy that you find when when you buy something and you open it, and you look at this and you go, you know, the, this product has exceeded my expectation just from how it comes out of the box and the beauty of how it's packaged to how it operates and how you use it. You know, there's a number of, I don't want to pitch for an, any product, but it, in many ways, it's like, you know, you when, when I buy an Apple product, I'm just even fascinated by the box. I keep Absolutely. the box around for longer than you probably need to.
0: Oh yeah, I have about eight of them in my shelving back here. I, I mean, I don't even know which phones those are for, but I'm not throwing them out because the box is nice. Exactly.
1: So the beauty of it, that fascinates me. I want to be part of that, right? So that's, you know, so for me, I felt like I needed to have the business aspects of it along with the building aspect of it. And it was not easy when, you know, you're moving out from under the financial and other shelter of your parents to kind of be on your own. But I love that about America in terms of the opportunities that you get. And I was fortunate to have that opportunity. I know that's not equal. I recognize that more now than I ever did before, that the opportunities that I got and I thought that was available to everyone, they're not available to everyone. And there's more that we need to do
0: absolutely, um, to get there. But, I, but hey, all of us, including myself, can play a part in that. That's right. Well, I mean, I think that's sort of like a natural segue to my next question, which is what led you to Cisco? Because as a new Ciscoian, I can tell everybody who's listening, who doesn't know anything about Cisco, that this is a company where the culture and and everything else is geared towards people and opportunities. So what led you here and, and what inspires you to stay? So I was a little
1: bit of a nomad. I started off my career selling mainframes for a company called ICL. And uh, so that dates me a little bit, bit as well. But I learned a lot of things in in sales, um, and then I moved on to after uh, moving here to work in a consumer package goods company called Clorox, and I loved it. So I worked in Kingstore charcoal, okay. And uh, to the embarrassment of my husband, I would actually ask people whether they used a gas grill or a charcoal grill. <laughs> And uh, he goes, oh, my God, are we going to do this again? Because to me, real, real grilling is about charcoal grilling. Mm-hmm. Gas, to me, is an extension. I know I'm, I'm going to get some flame for this, but gas is just an extension of your kitchen.
0: Right. So
1: as I was doing that, and I worked on King's Charcoal. I worked on Clorox bleach, which I loved. And I actually was going to go work on kitty litter. <laughs> I know people <laughs> would go, but it was fascinating and at that time in 2000, all you could hear around you was around tech and what we're building and how the internet is evolving. And I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't know how I could be a part of it, but I wanted to be a part of it. And amongst a few friends that I had, the name Cisco always came up. So as with everything in terms of taking a risk, you know, moving to the US with very little, I said, OK, Cisco's the company. So somebody referred me to it. And I started my first job in network management. Um, so that's that's how I got started in the company. That was in 2000. Wow. I'm in my 11th or 12th role in the company. And why I've stayed is a number of reasons. I like who we are. I like our culture. My values align to the company's values or said another way, the company's values align to mine. I don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh boy, are we gonna see our name in the in the paper? I wake up thinking, you know, and I know that's the digital paper, but I wake sure. up thinking, I, I'll see us for all the great things that we do. We live our culture. When we talk about an inclusive future for all, we're committed to doing that. We address the easy and the hard things. Right? We have the courage of our conviction. And I have had the opportunity to move from one role to the other, expand my capabilities. Um, knowing that along the way, you know, I've had my share of failures and I have my share of rejections as well. So, I love that we're so customer-focused and so people-focused as well. Sure. And we're all about, that's the reason customers trust us. So, I can give you maybe probably about a top 20 reasons in terms of why I've stayed. I feel super passionate about who we are Mm -hmm. and uh, how we operate. And it's not just about for, you know, growth is important. Um, Our responsibility to our shareholders is important but we take our responsibility to our, our teams very seriously, the planet very seriously as well in terms of all the sustainability that we're doing, uh, efforts that we're doing. It, we take responsibility towards you know everything in terms of inclusion and diversity uh, right. as well and social justice issues. And we don't just talk about it. We do. It's not just a campaign for us. It's a commitment. All of those things make me super happy and grateful to be here. And I love what I do as a job. of the time. And I think that's pretty darn good.
0: That's pretty high. I think that's, I mean, being able to say that with confidence is something that not a lot of people can say. And uh, as somebody who's new to Cisco and hasn't been here nearly as long as you, it actually is really inspiring to hear somebody who's been with the company for so long, different roles, uh, who really knows the culture here, describe it in a way that I describe it very enthusiastically to, you know, friends and family. Cisco walks the walk, but you feel like there's never there's never a ceiling, like anything is possible. And that's that in and of itself is inspiring uh, enough to make you wanna stay and, and do better work. So I, I totally get it. Thank you for sharing those experiences with us. Now, I know you loved charcoal and Clorox. So Cisco, being such a great tech company, I know you have a passion as well for innovation. And I would wanna talk about innovation and some of the technologies you've gravitated towards, particularly during the pandemic and and as a remote worker, in general?
1: I'd love to talk about applications because my own personal experience over the last couple of years has been very much around, you know, how do you live every parts of our life um, with a lot of it being remote as well. And applications, I've kind of saved the day for a number of things, right? Everything from how we sourced groceries in the beginning Mm -hmm. um, to food, to anything that we did, you know, chatted with the Friends and family about a car using an application right. as well. So I just don't see that going away. I think it's IDC that put it out there that said that uh, there's going to be about 300 to 500 million applications that are developed and deployed out there in the next few years. And it's like, that's just mind boggling. And I think, I and I was looking at, you know, what do I have just of it on my mobile phone? And I have about 40 of them, <laughs> which is probably about, three more, three times more than I ever did before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like an antisocial, but I love the idea of having the control in terms of going everything from browsing something to buying it, to if I need to get the support, be able to do that without talking to a single person. Sure. Right? And the beauty of that experience, I love that. I just think that there's more that's going to come when you bring in security. We have to support our customers, not just in terms of, how do we enable their creativity at the end of the day that where it, that has no bounds? Which means we have to turn around, look at it, and say, how do we help build better, faster, much simpler? And create that experience where out of the box, and it's like you know they are able to use our products, mm-hmm. see value in it immediately, and we want them to want more of it. It's like they want more of it. They talk to others, and other customers want more of it. Sure. To me, that's the beauty and in the innovation that we could develop. It's like we create capabilities for them that they go, aha, I didn't even think that I needed this, right? And we have an opportunity to do that. And it's not just in applications. We're looking at this across our entire portfolio within the company as well. And I believe that in applications in terms of what, where we're focused on, this is where the category of it is for us to create and lead in the market. And we're doing that. So I'm I'm super excited about that um, on the application front because I just think we've just gotten started. There's so much more that we can that we can do here, and um, you know it's when I think about how experiences will be delivered, whether you're a B2B or a B2C company. I think even B2B will look at it and go, I want that same experience that B2C gets, right? Because there's such a low barrier in many of these applications. If you don't like something and you've had a bad experience, Mm -hmm. brands get one chance to impress. You're just gonna dump the application and you're gonna move on to something else. That's right. So how how do you get those customers hooked and want more and stay there and tell everybody else as well? And then feel secure. That their data is secure, their credentials are secure, and we help companies optimize. I I, I just get so excited, uh, and we have a fabulous team who thinks about this every single day, and they're they're not just creating the ideas; they're actually developing those as well. So those are the things that I feel super excited about.
0: And, you know, you mentioned something about loyalty, which is important because people will stick with brands and with services they really love and have had great experiences with. So what can Cisco do to ensure that an app experience for a customer is really a positive one that they're going to keep coming back for?
1: You may have, others have heard me talk about this, uh, about full stack observability. It's not something that we coined, it's been there in the industry, but actually when we, when we acquired app Dynamics, they were already thinking about this as a vision. I think it was called central nervous system at that time, but it's it's we've gravitated towards full stack observability, which is what most in the industry call it. It really is about the, the if you step back and you look at it and go, you want your application, every single one of our customers want their application to operate twenty four seven. There's no such thing as a downtime in an application, right? <laughs> no <now>. way. <laughs> you want it to run twenty four seven. I mean, think about that. It's like you could wake up at three in the morning and order something. Right. I, I mean that's the beauty in terms of the the, the where we live so you wanted to operate the 24/7 with the best experience you want like I said to be able to to ensure that the application is secure uh, customers trust you with their credentials you know because right. that's what they're putting in and by the way at the same time even as you're investing you want to optimize the infrastructure not just for performance but so you're not you're, you're not over provisioning just because you're scared, like I want my application. So you want to be able to have this balance between, I want to keep the performance at, at optimal, and I want to make sure that, you know, it's everybody gets the, hey, do more with less kind of thing in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, budget, whether it's OpEx or CapEx. Our uh, opportunity to deliver that to customers with our full stack observability is awesome because of the assets we already have. We have AppDynamics, we have ThousandEyes, we have Intersight, every application as a whole stack that they depend on, right? Whether it's a traditional application, whether it's a cloud-native application. In traditional applications, it's all within IT's control. Every single part of that system has been stitched together. They know what it is. In a cloud-native application, it's very microservices-based. And there could be, you know, it could be brownfield microservices that you've built. It could be microservices that you, you leverage from the cloud or a SaaS provider, for that example. You need to have this visibility across all of it. And we we provide that, including the insights and the actions that ties back to the business impact.
0: Yep. It sounds comprehensive. And I think that's what you need to have a product that's reliable and stable. So I appreciate that thorough explanation. And I'm going to shift gears very quickly because I've heard that you gravitate towards something called ugly projects. Uh, (laughs) um, Could you tell me a little bit more about what that means?
1: You know, it's projects that need help. It's projects where it needs a turnaround. Part of the reason for gravitating towards that earlier on in my career was, in terms of growing in my career, many of those opportunities that were there were really around these turnaround opportunities. And I always felt like you take those on, you take on the risk, it gives you the experience, and it gives you the opportunity to grow. And early on when I started that, There was less competition for most people wanting to do that. And when you're a virtual unknown in a company, you know, you look at every which way in terms of how do you gain those experiences? How do you learn more from that? And if it is really about the ugly projects that will get you that, it's never stopped me because I have the passion. I have the, the grit to be able to do that. And some of the learnings that came out of that were just phenomenal because you know you can learn leadership lessons you can learn domain specific lessons you can learn people related lessons more from when stuff doesn't go well than when things are humming along pretty well plus i'm really not a not very good at the humming along kind of thing my attention you know kind of wanders i'd be hmm. one of those like squirrel you know kind of like is that a squirrel yeah exactly so i like i like working on things that have a lot of problems to solve and complex problems to solve. One of the things I'm good at is to take something that's really complex and distill it down into the piece parts and what needs to be done. Right. And if things are just humming along and you're like, "Hey, don't touch it, don't mess it up, let's keep, you know, don't do anything," that doesn't get me excited. So I, I like the ones where there's some work where you have to roll up your sleeves and get in the trenches and actually do it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, often it takes, you know, a risk to be able to accomplish something or to learn something and failure. Uh, which a lot of people are afraid of. And sometimes you have to take on a project that seems either undoable or just, oh, it's been done before. There's no way to optimize this. And you dive in and you find ways to innovate. And, and so I'm I'm like you, I like to kind of, I'm a manual kind of person. Like I like to read the manual, but if I can't figure that out, I will start diving into stuff. So I, I know what you mean. Get your hands dirty, you know, figure out the solution and, and move on. <laughs> I, very well said. Thank you. So... For anyone listening, you can't see me right now because uh, only Liz and I can see each other, but I'm holding up a, uh, it's really a Christmas tree ornament, it's a nutcracker, and the reason I'm holding this up is that I heard a rumor that somebody, Liz, uh, not only is this her favorite season, but she actually collects Christmas ornaments, so I want to ask you, Liz... How did that all begin? And then I also want to find out about Germany because I heard that there was a recent trip where you were able to acquire some really cool uh, (laughs) Christmas ornaments. So could you just fill us in a little bit on on that? So Christmas is
1: my favorite time of the year. And um, I love it in the sense that growing up, we always put up a, a... You know, we didn't have this concept of Christmas tree growing up in India. Right. I think it's there now. But it started with the nativity scene. So... I have, we have about 12 of them in the house wow. right now. <laughs> They're all not that big. Sure. But there's one that's absolutely beautiful. You can see the features right. on like the, the three Magi, for example. I mean, it's just awesome. But I have 12 of those. I love Christmas ornaments. I buy one for every member of the family. I have two kids. So I buy one for each one of them and I will I label it because my view is when they have their own homes in the future, they'd want it. Sure. I think I get some eye rolls from my, my kids, but they'll, they'll see one day the beauty of it. So I have stuff going back to even before they were born. I do collect a lot of German Christmas ornaments. I love that. So when I was in Berlin, uh, I had about an hour uh, between the next meeting. And I went into one of the Christmas stores and it was like me in a, in a candy store. I bought a pyramid, it's, it's a German pyramid, and it's got a nativity scene in the center, Right, and it's just beautiful. I have them all out. I, buy, I have smokers where you put an in incense at the bottom and it comes out, oh, that's cool. and it's all different types of it. I have one with St. Peter, these are the gates of, uh, of heaven. And right. it's like, it's just beautiful. And I take <laughs> them out of the box, and every year I lovingly look at them and then put them in different places. Uh, I think my husband finds it fascinating that I get so much joy from this. So yes, it's my when my kids who are grown up now come home for Christmas, they go, "Oh my God, these things are growing every year." <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> but yes, I love collecting Christmas ornaments, uh, especially the ones made in Germany, and uh, I'm still accumulating them.
0: Our storage room is full. That's. I think it's great. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, before our podcast today, I actually went to my parents. And they have those little Christmas villages that are illuminated, you know, a little ceramic. I have I, those too. Okay, <laughs> I was going to try to show that, but I figured that was just too it was just too cumbersome. So I just got this little this little ornament here. But by the way, I like that ornament. I think it's great. I, I love the, the the fanfare and the celebration. I think it's it's just a beautiful time of the year. Uh, so I, I am I'm with you on that. Um, you don't know much about me, but I'm a musician, and I'm always curious uh, as to what people listen to. Whether they're on vacation or they're driving in their cars, so if you know, what's what's your current playlist looking like these days? Oh, oh my! <laughs> <laughs> that you you can say share. you're a musician,
1: <laughs> and I'm going, oh my god, is this going to be judgment? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> so I listen to Dave Matthews Band every morning. Great. Every I love Dave Matthews, um, and so I start off my day Dave Matthews. There's sometimes the weekend is in there as well. And when I want to keep things going, it's Pitbull. Okay. I know. It's a range. That's why I said it. No, like, that's, no, it's that's good. It's a no-judgment zone, but I love Pitbull, and I love singing. I love singing to all of these. There was a time when my my kids thought I was so cool, but they're like, now it's more like, okay, Mom, we're in the car. Other people can see us. Right. And so, so it's especially when they were in high school, they'd slide down in the seat in terms of uh, hoping... No one they knew saw me singing. But yeah, my playlist is very very varied that
0: way. That's great. I First of all, no judgments. Um I I love all kinds of music as the product of an interracial marriage, I can tell you that growing up it could be a record of John Denver or Isaac Hayes, so it didn't really <laughs> it didn't really matter. So no judgments there whatsoever. How about uh superpowers? I mean, I know you like sci-fi. If you could achieve or be granted any superpower, do you have a favorite or do you have two favorites? What, what would you want to be able to do?
1: Oh, this is so hard, right? Because at, at one point, it's like, I love Yoda. So I'd love Yoda's superpower. But I think, you know what? I'm impatient at times. Hmm. So I'm thinking Quicksilver from X-Men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I just want things sometimes to happen so fast. And could I possibly have that? So, yeah. I like that. I, I, I think I, I'd, if there was only one thing I could ask for, maybe that's what I would ask for.
0: Got it. Got it. So, speed, the speed to kind of like get things accomplished, do things as quickly as possible. Nobody can stop you or catch you. That's right. I like that. All right. Sounds <laughs> good to me. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, we're living in a stressful time and finding ways to sort of check out and, and, and get some mental wellness and even physical uh, well being is important. What, what do you do to de stress or decompress when times are a little bit overwhelming?
1: You know, in my my role here in the company, because I cover multiple different areas um, and I have to context shift between those. So if I'm having a hard time, you know, kind of doing the context shifting, I will either do a crossword or a Sudoku. I love those. Okay. Yeah. It's focused me differently. But on the weekends, when I get the time, I'll go on a hike. And what happens is where I have a fear of heights. I have a real fear of heights. I freeze, especially when I can actually see, you know, kind of a, a ravine all the way down. and Same. I do it anyway. And obviously I do it with friends or, or or my husband, but, and I need the help at that time. But to me, it then shifts my focus to something else. Right. And when I'm done, I feel great about it. So all of a sudden things that I was worried about and what's sitting in my head, you know, I, it's that accomplishment and just that feeling of being out there and being in the open and, and, uh, I mean, it's amazing when you're out in the open and you you think about how blessed you are to be able to do that, to be able to have a place to go and hike. So your mindset changes from all the challenges or whatever you're thinking that things are not going well to feeling of a little bit more contentment and feeling blessed. And I love that aspect of it.
0: Absolutely. I guess the last question I would ask you is you've been fortunate to be able to travel globally with all the interactions you have with Sisconians and other people from different companies. If you were to plan or be able to plan a perfect vacation, what kind of location are we talking about? Are we talking about sort of mountainside, foresty, tranquil area? Are we talking beach? Do you have a, a perfect location or is it a blend of a couple of different things? I'd say it's a
1: blend of things. I love looking at water, even though I don't swim. Hopefully one day I'll, I'll get there. But I like anything where you can look at water because it's just so calming. And um, But I also like the aspect of sitting in a cafe, like in Europe, when you're in Europe somewhere, and right. just people watching. It's amazing because I don't get to, I mean, things get so fast-paced that you don't get to appreciate how as humans we're so unique in so many different ways and you watch how people interact with each other and it's just amazing. You have a cup of tea. Um, I don't drink coffee, tea is my thing. And you can just sit there um, with a couple of biscuits maybe and just watch people. And to me, that's awesome. But I, then i like to come back and, and just hang out. If it's at a you know, beach town where you can see the water and then you can go into town, I like little towns. I like a movie called Welcome to Mooseport. My idea is I'd move to some place and that's a fictional thing. I'd move to some place like that where everybody knows everybody else. It's a little Pollyanna, but that's my idea in the future of what I would want to do. So the, so I gravitate towards places like that right. for a vacation.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's a great way to bookend this fantastic conversation. Liz, once again, I've had a, a lot of fun talking to you today. And I, I really appreciate your coming in and, and just sharing some of your life story and some of the things that you do at Cisco and... And even some of the inside things that people might not know about you. Um, thanks again for for joining me today for the chat.
1: It'd be very good to meet you. Hope we can you know do more of this. I really enjoyed. This has been the highlight of my day so far. Aww. So thank you for doing that. And uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. And thanks for making the conversation so easy.
0: Well, thank you for making my job so easy. I appreciate you as well. Thank you so much.